Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, where we bring you weekly conversations with purpose-driven leaders. Our focus is to share meaningful conversations with purpose-driven people having a big social impact in our community. Our mission is to enable you to listen, connect, and grow. You can learn more at humansofpurpose.com.au. I thought the message is just not getting out there to Australians about heart disease, diabetes, and cancers. People don't think they're going to eat, get that. So they don't eat, to, I'm going to eat my lunch today to prevent myself from having a stroke, you know, or heart disease. We just don't do that. But we do want to eat to perform. So if athletes can look at their diet to perform, why can't we? Welcome back to the podcast and great to have you with us as always. Those were the wise words of Simone Austin. Simone is an accredited practicing dietitian. She's an advanced sports dietitian, the president of the Sports Dietitians Australia and Hawthorne Football Club's dietitian. As well as being active in the media and as a keynote speaker and TV and radio presenter, Simone is now also an accomplished author, having recently published her new book, Eat Like an Athlete. I've popped a link to her new book in the show notes. A special thanks goes to Joel Farron, who's a previous podcast guest, for making this connection. Joel's been a frequent podcast guest over the years and is a great supporter of the show also. You can check out his last appearance on the show on our November special from late last year, and I'll also pop a link to that in the show notes. Simone has worked with a number of elite and highly successful sports clubs in Australia, including my beloved Hawks, so this is a great opportunity to talk about the latest developments in nutrition science, optimising growth and well-being, and also traversing a number of specialty areas like becoming an author, media personality, and nutrition expert. Also want to say a quick shout out and thank you to our new Patreon supporters for 2019. So a big thanks to McCartan, uh, to Joel F and to Stuart M. It's wonderful to have you three guys on board as uh, monthly supporters and uh, helping me to make the best possible Humans of Purpose podcast, uh, bringing you conversations with purpose-driven leaders on a weekly basis. So guys, thanks for your support. And if you too wanted to support the podcast, which I encourage you to do, just head to uh, www.patreon.com slash humans of purpose. And I will leave a link in the show notes that you can click through on and uh, do that. So Simone, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's uh, wonderful to have you. You're referred in by a podcast stalwart, Joel Farron, who's uh, appeared a number of times in the show. And you guys are working together, of course, on uh, a, a project. Yep, Joel's um, got lots of good ideas. He's really inspirational for the dietetic profession. Yeah, he, well, I've always thought he's an inspiration, uh, but, you know, separating friendship from uh, <laughs> truth. You're a bit biased <laughs> Yeah, there. a bit biased. <laughs> but he speaks very highly of you. And I, I would love, before we get into your um, amazing professional career, to yeah. hear a bit about how you found your way into dietetics. Oh, goes right back to, I don't want to admit how long. Um, I've been a dietitian for 25 years. Uh, back when I was at high school, I loved cooking. I liked sport. And so sports nutrition was going to be um, the perfect job for me. So then I um, did my science degree, my dietetic course, and I took my first job in community health. Um I didn't want to do clinical nutrition, so um, community health and public health is what I liked. And then I also did sports nutrition on the side because back then um, AFL teams were training after work still, so they weren't – So before um, the full professional era. Yeah, absolutely. So that shows my age, doesn't it? So I work in my community health job during the day and then go and work at the Western Bulldogs um, once or twice a week, and then I was there for six years. 
Then after that, I had um, my first baby, so I had my son and was started working at the Australian cricket team. And that was fantastic because I could do most of it from home. And then sometimes I could travel and I had my daughter. And when she was only six weeks old, she actually came with me to Perth to the Australian cricket team men's um, camp. Oh, wow. And so um, she'd have the likes of um, Brett Lee and Steve Waugh and Andrew Simons fighting over her to nurse her while I was giving talks on nutrition. Wow. Um, And she obviously doesn't remember that. And my son... I can remember him um, coming to Christmas Eve training and rolling the ball with Ricky Ponting when he was three years old. And then the next year I said, hey, you're coming to training this year? And he said, uh, no, he's only four years old. No, nah, mum, I'm not coming to play with Ricky. I'm going to the library with dad. <laughs> so <laughs> now that he's 19, he doesn't like that story so much. But oh, they've, wow. they've always grown up with me being in elite sport. And have you always wanted to be in elite sport? Um, yeah, I think I did. I sort of fell into it a bit, but I like also doing my other work, my public health, and sure. love that um, environment of elite sport that is everyone's always looking, how can we better ourselves? Um, it's a very upbeat environment and people who are really motivated. And no, it's, um, really a, a clear focus on performance and optimising yes, performance. absolutely, and I really love that. And then I went from the Australian cricket team to um, started working at Swiss Wellness a day a week and writing about health and being very much health promotion type role there. And then um, I started working at the Hawks, which I know you are a fan of. Well, yeah, I did just show you my uh, vintage buddy uh, punching glove in the Cyril boot, so absolutely huge Hawks fan. Um, of course, in your situation, you've got to be careful about, you know, who do you barrack for versus where do you work? So I barrack for Cyril Rioli, even though he's not playing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't everyone, in, even Absolutely. in footy. Absolutely. Everyone's got to love Did you get um, to spend much time with him? Love Cyril. Yeah, and I really – he's a lovely, lovely person. So obviously I don't see him now that he's not playing. Yeah. But um, I used to love um, his big smile and how you're going and his stories about when he'd go home and catch fish um, and what he'd eat when he was back home and turtle and things like that. So very interesting So to they talk actually caught turtle? Yeah, and cooked possum. He sent me a couple of pictures once oh of God. possum cooking on like a rotisserie yep. um, that they caught, still a skin on. So, What, what do we know about the nutritional uh, in, in the Western sciences about the nutritional value of these? Um, turtle has sort of layer of fat on it, yep. um, I think obviously to keep them warm in the water. Yep. Um, but otherwise it would be quite um, high in protein. Yep. And same with possum, a bit like kangaroo, I would think. Yep. I don't know. But I'm thinking that we high in protein, a high in um, iron and zinc, particularly because kangaroo is. Yeah. So Cyril might have actually been unearthing some new superfoods. Uh, <laughs> yeah, before of, he even knew it. Yeah. What hopefully, tends to he's, hopefully he's still on them now. Yeah. Because the uh, kakadu plum, of course, is one of those uh, well-renowned superfoods. Absolutely. Now. Yes. Yep. yep. And all those different seeds and model seeds and things. And while I've been at the West, um, while I was at the Australian, uh, sorry, start again. While I was at, um, or am still at Hawthorne Footy Club, yep. I also worked um, for a few years part-time at Melbourne Storm Rugby League, Melbourne City A-League soccer team, and did a year at the Rebels. So lots, I had to learn um, about rugby because being a Victorian girl, I used to say to the players, and Tell me what position you play. Do you need to be big, small? Give me some idea because I don't really know much <laughs> yeah. about the sport. <laughs> I was going to say that is a lot of different sports to try and cover and be an expert in in a short time. So I just Relatively learned, short time. I just needed to ask them and not pretend that I knew. Yep. My first day at Melbourne Storm, I had um, a list of players to see and anyone who is a rugby league fan would know the name Greg Inglis. Yep. 
but Simone didn't. And he put his head through the door and said, Simone, am I on the list to see you today? And I said, oh, I'm not sure. Um, what's your name? <laughs> and he said, Greg Inglis. And I went, oh, I think I probably should have known that name. I just checked my list and said, no, you're on tomorrow. <laughs> you happen to be in a special minority of people who knew whose name Greg Inglis knew, but they didn't know his name. It's quite, yeah. a, quite a minority. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, knew the name, didn't know the person, yeah, but I, yeah, I yeah. didn't forget after that. Yeah. And a good friend of mine who's a rugby league fan could not believe I did not know who he was. <laughs> I just find rugby league so foreign. It's definitely like a, a Victorian thing, but... Um, oh, yeah. You know, you've worked with the Storm pretty closely. Yep. So yep. you've experienced that success and to be in that kind of environment. I'm curious to know how different is it what... what people eat across these high-performance sports? Yeah. um, Look, AFL, I would have to say, is extremely um, professional. So we've spent a lot of years getting uh, nutrition and the players knowing that it's going to help their performance. Yep. Um, Same with the Australian cricket team because I suppose I was working at the the highest level. It's a bit like picking all the AFL top players. So that was good. Um, Rugby league, Melbourne Storm were – were probably, and I hate to say it for any New South Wales people, but probably a little bit ahead of their time having some AFL influence. Yeah, sure. Um. But it's probably been about four years since I've been there. They were not um, quite as into um, nutrition, but were certainly getting up there, yep. certainly getting up there and realising, especially the players who had to be big and learning that it wasn't just about eating junk to get big, mm. to actually perform well, feel well and recover. They needed to eat quality food and they were learning about that. It's interesting how sort of we talk more about food as um, a feeling good mechanism now as well. Uh, you know, the, the science of the research having changed around, yeah. are there foods that, you know, can influence us to feel better as well as be healthier? And particularly mood and yeah. food. Yep. And there's even a um, food and mood centre. Mm. Um, and we know so much more now about our gut and how that a lot of the serotonin or the happy hormones are produced in your gut. And I was actually doing that at footy um, today. I was talking to the players and putting out some samples of um, some tuna and salmon and um, legume, sort of, you know, those sort of um, pre-packet foil containers and things that you can get at those now, to show them that we need to eat those foods to improve our mood. Yep. So the legumes, the fibre and stuff that feeds our gut bacteria, the gut bacteria then produces serotonin, the happy hormones, and then we feel good, like – when you think about it, it's logical that what we're going to put in our body is going yeah. to affect our mood. Yeah. But we really haven't understood that very well, and we've still got a long way to go. So, do you think the the sort of awareness of the gut microbiome and some of the mechanisms in there have been sort of one of the major advances? Yeah, and yeah. also it makes it really interesting because we've moved on from just talking about heart disease and diabetes and obesity and those sorts of things and cancer and things that we've always know have a link with nutrition, but learning on to probably some things that you can feel a bit more immediate. Um, like if you eat certain foods that are in tune with your body, you know how you're going to feel maybe within a few hours or certainly a few days. Yep. And that gives us immediate feedback and probably then the motivation to go, you know what, if I eat that food, I feel pretty good. And if I eat that one, I don't feel so good. So can I ask you, what are a couple of your favourite happy foods or feel-good foods mm. that you, you like to I think I'd have to say berries because they also look pretty. Yeah, they do. And we eat with our eyes first. Then we eat with our taste buds and smell and everything. And they've um, got obviously good fibre in them to feed our gut bacteria. They don't have too much sugar but just a bit to give us a bit of sweetness and and get that pleasure sensation. Sort of kind of that acidy kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So berries would be one. Um, 
I, I think fish and seafood as well because we often look at fish and seafood also as a bit of a special type yeah. food too um, and the it's not too heavy. The omega-3s are really good for us and so are the zinc. Yes. So I really like both of those for my mood. So so fish oil or the, the omega-3 being very important. Yes, yep. definitely. And also that the fish is maybe not so heavy so therefore you feel um, quite well when you eat it. Yep, yep. And so, so you mentioned some um, great foods to have there. What about drinks? Because I'm a bit obsessed with beverage. Not the alcoholic variety. I was going to say, yeah. Things like uh, matcha tea and sort of some of these other... Yeah. You know, Are you a kombucha fan as well? I used to love the booch, uh, yeah. but I've since gone off the booch a little bit because, and this is actually a Joel Ferrin recommendation, I was explaining that I have some gut sensitivity and I have the Yakult once a day yeah. and I thought to double up on kombucha and Yakult might be overkill. Yeah, except um, they're different strains. Yep. So I think the key with drinks and looking for drinks with... Um, Strains uh, or bacterial strains mm. in them, or, or probiotic. They can't. They're not all probiotics. So you're only yep. a probiotic when it's been shown to have a health benefit. Sure, sure. So that's why I'll refer to them as strains in those drinks. Lots of them will have different strains, and different strains have got different health benefits. So you call it, um, and those type of ones are probably more about immunity often um, and keeping bacterial levels in in good control. Some other strains are more like in things like film yolks and kefirs and those mm. more milky ones. Sometimes they're a bit more about bowel regularity. Um, and then that you've got your kombuchas. And I think in most cases it's okay, but it's good to have a variety of different ones. But if you do have gut issues, it probably is important to um, get some advice yes. because yes. – if you're adding strains that aren't right, you could be making things worse. Yep. And particularly on this thing called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or yep. SIBO. Yep. And in cases sometimes when you're being treated for that, you actually want to not put too many other um, bacterial strains in. Sure. And you do need to know which ones you're putting in. Yeah, good point. Is this stuff that's talked about more in elite sports than when you started now? Yeah, Like it sort is. of probiotics yeah. and kombucha and this I realised that didn't really answer your drink question probably, no, but we'll come right. back to the drink question sure. and go for the strain. Yeah. Um, yeah, because one thing is why I talk about um, having lots of st- different probiotics or strains is that in exercise is good for our health to a point. And then when it becomes elite or excessive health, uh, excessive exercise, it actually becomes um, not so good for our health. I have to cough. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> I was trying to hold it. No, you're right. Go for it. <laughs> I'll clip it out. Sorry. No, all good. I was just concentrating, not coughing. I couldn't think. <laughs> no, you're fine. So elite, um, elite exercise then puts more stress on your immune system. Um, so you can then get also leaky gut and also we need the good bacteria to make our immune system strong. It's a bit like having... Um, an army in your small and large intestines, that particularly your large intestines, that actually um, line up to prevent the bad bacteria going through. So we want to have lots of those bacterial strains so that we can actually pr- protect our immune system. So with the footy players, I really want to protect their immune system Absolutely. because they are really pumping their bodies hard. And this is a funny question, but, I mean, I go to the toilet fairly often. Um a footballer's ever worried about sort of avoiding needing to go? Yeah. Um, well, sometimes when you get really nervous, you can often get to go to the toilet. And I had a player once where we were having that issue, he'd have to come off at half time mm. and use his bowels um, before the game, and that's obviously not ideal. Yep. We did work out that um, it might have been anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. or other medications, mm-hmm. um, but we did try having low FODMAP for a while and watching his food. But in general, 
when you exercise, it tends to suppress those things. It suppresses you needing to go to the toilet to urinate and it tends to suppress you using your using your bowels. But nerves can um, cause that as well. Yep, yep, yep. And if I'm working with endurance, sometimes with endurance athletes, they'll often um, lower their fiber content a little bit beforehand just so that they don't have that bulk sure. to carry around or that they don't get the stimulation to want to use their bowels. Sure. Yeah. And so how, how like – how um, manicured, I guess, or preset is the day of an elite sports person in terms of what yeah, they eat and yeah. how they live? That's a really good question because people tend to think that I write at 8 a.m. you must eat this and at 10 you must eat that, and I'm not for that. Yeah. I don't write diets. I don't prescribe calorie counting, kilojoule counting or any of that. Mm-hmm. So I try and get the guys to be very intuitive about what they're eating, to know when they're hungry, when they're not hungry, yep. when they're a bit low on energy, when they're not. And I obviously teach them about the type of food they should be having. So for a guide, most of us probably should have half of our plate with veggies, yep. a quarter with carb and a quarter with protein. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lots of those guys should probably have a third each, yep. a third protein, a third um, carbohydrate and a third veg. And if they've got that in their mind when they are plating up their meals, they're going to do pretty well. Yep. They can't really go too wrong. That's very intuitive and actually helpful. And isn't the US so that's replaced the food pyramid over there? The, the food plate. Well, we have a plate yeah, as well, plate. Um, and it definitely have a plate sort of mechanism. We've moved to that yep. as well. Um, and then what they can do is tweak it depending on. Okay, I've had a really heavy training session. I need a bit more carbs, so I can have some more. It might be in their snacks, um, or. Uh, there might be travel day and mm-hmm. we might have a little bit less. So I get them to think about and learn so they can make those decisions for themselves so I'm not writing a prescription for them. This is a question I've always wanted to ask, but um, I, I hear that after games they, they must be starving and it must need to do a lot of rapid sort of replacement of Yeah, often um, their appetite is actually suppressed oh, really? okay. until a few hours later. Yep. So it's quite – I want them to eat yep. basically straight after, yep. but lots of them, they're exhausted. Yeah, and all they, they want to do is just smash the Gatorades and Well, replenish. they generally just want to sit on the floor yeah, and be like, yeah. oh, my God, I'm tired. <laughs> um, so they will have some sports drink, but they'll generally have a milk-based drink. Mm-hmm. So generally – can I say a brand? Yeah, like, of course. So they yeah. generally will have um, – one of the Rokeby's breakfast smoothies. Yep. They love those. Mm-hmm. In fact, we actually have to basically lock them up at the club so that they don't <laughs> get to them and that they're for match day. Um, and I now do a little bit of work for them, but I didn't before, but the players love it yeah, and yeah, yeah. they make some other good products. So, Rokeby, is that cow milk or yeah, so they have soy version or just cow? No, only okay. a cow. They do do some um, in their other brands, do do some coconut ones and mm-hmm. some almond milks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the cow's milk is particularly good because it has a great profile. And you know you were asking about drinks before. Yeah. Cow's yep. milk is probably the best sports drink you can get yeah, because amazing. it has calcium, phosphorus, potassium, all the electrolytes, yep. bit of sodium. It has protein and it has carbs. Wow. And the one they like has got a little bit of flavoring. Salted caramel is pretty popular, banana. There's a dark chocolate one. Um, so they'll have that and they can smash that easily when yep. they're tired. Yep. Then we'll have after a game. I banned pizzas quite some years ago and yep. told them that was not. You banned it? Yeah. Because I, I was going to say, I thought chicken pizza was like the one that they all. No, I won't let them. Yeah. Um, because I feel they can pick that at some other time yeah, or they can yeah, have yeah. that on the way home. Yeah. But straight after a game, I want them to have something a bit more nourishing yep. and a bit more, a little bit more protein than a pizza is going to give. Sure. Um, so we will have, um, sometimes we'll have burgers with a meat patty. Other times we might have a Mexican burritos. Um, Oh, they're pretty keen on a suva. Now, people might go, is that much better than a um, pizza? Yeah. But in terms of when we think about those thirds, 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 yeah, it's yeah, a little yeah. bit closer yeah. and that there'll be a little bit more meat. Yeah, makes um, sense. And there's a bit more salad. 
Um, that's probably one of their popular um, suvers at the mo- at the moment. Yeah. Then they'll often go home and have a meal, or they might get something else after. Yeah, it's just it's amazing. I was just thinking about how it works. And so, so before the games, are they sort of left a bit to their own? The, does the club cook for them before the games? Uh, no, or? generally they'll be, be at home yeah. and come to a game. So, for instance, we've got because us Hawks haven't won quite as many games last year. We've tend to get those three twenty <laughs> games now. Yeah. We don't have the Friday night blockbusters, <laughs> yeah. but we'll be back next year. We'll be back well, to Friday well, night. Kiss of death last year. Carlton had all of them, and that was. A good look, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, usually what they do is they work back two hours before a game, yep, and that'll be their last sort of mainish meal. Great, because the timing was what I was going to ask you about. I always wonder what is the optimal, um, time off food before you have to perform. So, it's about two hours, two hours for your sort of yep. last main meal. So, if it's an afternoon game, probably lunch at one ish, mm-hmm. if it's a night game, might be around five ish, yep. But then when they get to the ground, there's usually some salad and um, chicken rolls. Yep. There's fruit, there's pretzels, there's pikelets, there might be some muesli bars. So some foods that are going to be fairly quickly digested. Yep. And then um, I try and get them to ha- – so they have the two hours before, then have a snack when they get to the ground, which is around that two-hour mm-hmm. time, hour and a half. And then for some of the players we found this year that they were getting some gut upsets – and I think it was because they actually weren't eating enough. Sure, sure. Is there a specific so we get them um, to eat more. type of meal that, that they would you recommend? They have is it like a do they have like a chicken salad or is it yep. like a burger? So no, it's probably a little bit more carb based yep. just yep. before and not too much. Sure. So it's not about just stuffing your face and getting yep. as much as you can get yep. in because then you're going to be really heavy. So it might be um, a couple of rounds of sandwiches. It might be a small bowl of pasta. It might mm-hmm. be a little bit of risotto. Mm-hmm. Might be a pumpkin soup and toast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably something more like that. Then when they get to the ground, might be a small, you know, a little bit of a salad roll. And then an hour before, that's where I would say top up with some pretzels or some banana or some grapes or um, a muesli bar or something like that. And then during the game, they might have oranges or grapes or bananas or something like that, just a little bit spread out. And some will have very minimal. And others that I've found that have had that gut upset, we've found that it's better because they'll get some blood fl- supply yep. still to their gut if they have a little bit to eat, yep. and that's worked well. Yeah. And in terms of fluid replacement, what's the latest thinking around that? Is it still sports drinks? Or? No. Look, yes, they have some sports drink, and yep. we do. Because it's a game that's over 90 minutes, anything under 90 minutes really water is sufficient because yep. you can then eat. Yeah. Um, but this is 120 minutes generally, plus their warm-up. Mm-hmm, I'm, t- mm-hmm. I'm tired after their warm-up. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, watch I think them watching warm-up. them warm-up would be tiring. Yeah, yeah. that's like yeah. half an hour in itself. It's a lot. Um, so we're getting, you know, more than two hours. So, yes, some sports drink, but water and an oral rehydration fluid like a hydrolyte, yep. something like that, um, is what they would have during a game. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so how variable then is it amongst the playing group as to what they – uh, what their diets are. Do they, there's some guys who you just know like to smash yeah. certain types of food yeah. and others don't? Or? Yeah. Um, my first day at Hawthorne Footy Club um, 10 years ago, I remember walking into the kitchen and Luke Hodge and Sam Mitchell were having avocado and Vegemite on toast. I was like, oh, that just looks revolting. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's really nice. And I went home and tried it and I had to go back and go, yeah, actually it was really nice. <laughs> yeah. And so after a game, quite a few of the players, I take a toaster to the MCG mm. and cook um, avocado and Vegemite on toast yeah, for nice. a few of them. Nice. Um, Luke Bruce, uh, Liam Shields, yep. they tend to, to like that. Yeah. Um, so that's that, you know, different players do have things they like. Also you get the 17 or 18-year-olds rock up at the club 
And apart from James Walpole, he's just a freak of that he was already big and solid. And He looks like a beast when he came yeah, in. It was yeah. like this dude looks like a... Yeah. Yeah. Old, like a proper yes, man, you know? Yes, he does. So apart from him, most of the others need to put on some extra bulk. Yep. And so we don't get them to just eat whatever they like. It's still going to be quality, nutritious yep. food. But we get them to eat more often before training, after training. The older guys um, might not to eat as much because we're not trying to put on weight. That's right. We're trying to manage their weight. So how do we, how then do you strip someone back? So if someone's a little bit mm-hmm. bigger than you like them to be, and yep. I don't know who, who just any player, yep. um, what What's the best way to do that? So that's where it comes into really them thinking about their appetite and knowing when they're hungry or not. And I get them to think about a hunger fullness scale from one to ten. Sure. Ten is too full. Yep. Seven or eight is where they should stop. Um, Four or five is when they're probably hungry, ready to eat. And so for a lot of them, I get them to pace themselves against someone else they eat with. Yep. Because often eat really fast because they're starving. Yeah, So slow down so that you actually get a chance for your stomach to tell your brain when you're full. Yep. And you stop before you're overfull. The other one is getting them to have lots of veggies because yep. veggies are 80% water. Oh, so they have lots of veggies. They're not going to overdo it on the calories without having to count calories and diet as such. Now, you did promise me a few minutes to touch on diets and yes. especially fad diets yeah. or some of the more popular yep. ones floating around the media. Um, indulge me on two of them. The ketogenic diet, uh, we, mm-hmm. we hear a lot about. Uh, I think Melbourne even tried to implement it across their playing group a few years ago. And the other one, intermittent fasting is just a, you know, that approach of um, having specific meal times. Yep. Now, I did say short, that I'm not into any (laughs) diets. (laughs) So ketogenic was first um, developed more for people who um, had epilepsy and trying to look at ways to get the brain to stop signaling when it shouldn't. And to be blunt, that's where it should stay. Um, People often say they're following ketogenic diet and they're not. It should be less than 50 grams of carbohydrate if you're truly following it. Mm. I'm not recommending anyone does that. Mm. I don't think it's healthy um, because – I think that food should never be that restrictive. Food is not just about nutrients. It's about love of food. If I'm going to go to my mother-in-law's who's Maltese, I want to eat some pasta because that's important to all the cultural part of eating. Um, The other part is it cuts out um, or cuts right down are grains, grains and legumes. And whole grains are so important for the fiber. So we're not talking about bowls of huge bowls of white pastas Mm. or white bread or, you know, frosted breakfast Mm. cereals. We're talking about good quality, heavy, grainy breads. And we're talking about a fistful. So we're not talking about massive amounts. But those grains are really important for fiber for Mm. our bowel because bowel um, cancer is one of the biggest killers in Australia. And we need the fiber in there for our gut um, bacteria to ferment to produce the gases that protect the cells against bowel cancer. It's mm, a great answer. And so how about uh, intermittent fasting? Then? One last thing on the keto oh, yes, go ahead. is that I've had a few clients come in in the mid-30s following it and then or close to following it, and then they've had issues with cholesterol, high cholesterol in their 30s. Interesting. So Fit, healthy people. It doesn't seem to be like – it doesn't seem to certainly match all the hype associated with the weight loss that it – Seems to achieve for short periods. No, and so and so, um, you have to be careful of what type of fats you're putting in your diet if you're having a high fat diet. Um, and also, some people might say, "Oh, well, it worked for me. I lost my weight." But health is not just about weight. Correct. So if you're going to die yeah. because your arteries are clogged with fat or you're feeling crap or whatever, then that's that's yep. not good either. Yep. Um, so or you've got high blood pressure or you're going to die of bowel cancer. So mm. I think you've got to look at health much more than just weight. Um, and also maybe they lost the weight because they cut out the soft drink yes. and the white bread and the chocolate and the lollies, which yep. we wouldn't advocate for them to have in their diet anyway. Yep. So it didn't need to follow a keto diet to get that result. They just need to follow a healthier diet. Yeah, I think with some people it's just like what 
it has to be super restrictive to work and there has to yep. be like no rule, yep. like all yeah, rules, rules, no bending. Yep. Yeah. So if they want rules, great. Divide your plate, get a plate, draw with a texture mm-hmm. on it and put half veggies, a quarter carb and a quarter protein mm-hmm. and stick to that mm-hmm. if they want it. rules. You, you're invoking my good friend Joel Ferrin who just says everything in moderation. <laughs> You've heard him say that before? Yes. <laughs> and then when you come to um, the intermittent fasting yep. one that you asked about, um, so look, I think this, that's a bit different and particularly there has been some studies looking at um, improving blood sugar levels and cholesterol. But again, my personal thought is do those people get improvements in their cholesterol level and their blood sugar because they've cut out some poor food choices that they would have eaten earlier in that day? Yeah. Were they having um, a really sugary breakfast cereal and fruit juice for breakfast or white toast yes. and jam and a donut for morning tea? And so therefore, because they didn't start to eat at 12, they've got better results. Mm. And if that's given them better results for their health, that's great. Yep. And I'm not knocking it, but I'm not necessarily thinking that you need to do it. And plus, if someone takes my breakfast away, I get hangry. Yeah, I would not be happy to be I think for around. people with a hangry disposition, it's not even on the table. I yeah. mean, the idea of skipping meals is uh, just doesn't seem all that sensible. Yeah. But I think for some people, I won't knock that one as in remove that yeah. completely. I think that's one maybe think about what your job is, um, if you're active or not, what your health is, um, and what you're thinking of doing. Yeah. Um, I think that it's not bad to not – to stop eating maybe around that 8 o'clock at night and not eat till 7 in the morning, um, and that gives you a good sort of, you know, 11 hours or so of not eating, I think that's okay. Mm. Whether we need 16 or not, I think that depends mm. and you should get some medical advice before you do it. Do you take any of the theory seriously that, you know, maybe thousands of tens of thousands of years ago or the savannah humans were feasting maybe once a day after hunting and that sort of justifies the whole thing or is that a bit? Mm, they also died when they are about 45, yeah. didn't they? So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not many of them lived to 80 and 85 like yeah, we're yeah, living yeah. now. So yeah. it's funny how people take those stats out and yeah. um, go, oh, but they did that. And it's like, mm, yeah, but, you know, we're also doing lots of different yeah. things. It's a bit of selection about, bias there in the facts. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you ate in those times. If you lived near the sea, you ate more mm. fish. And if mm. you lived inland, you ate more whatever. Mm. So, no, I don't really go for that. Yeah, we live a very different lifestyle now and our bodies have adapted quite differently. So tell me, uh, given all that expert advice, how about you? What, what's your daily routine like and food yeah. intake like? I love food and yep. I love eating. Yep. Um, but I do love eating food that is fresh and that makes me feel good. Um, so... In the morning, I really do love breakfast and that would often be a muesli and maybe a wheat bick um, with um, some yogurt and milk and some fruit. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. that. That's my go-to. Um, it doesn't have to be difficult. And lunch will vary depending on whether I'm at home or not. I would maybe make a sandwich. I might have some leftover dinner. Um, but one day, you know, it might just be um, a toasted cheese sandwich, you know, but another day it will be a lovely veggie and meat soup that's, on. So I, I'm by no means perfect of getting my plate sure, looking perfect sure. all the time. I do like to – I'm a morning person of eating. I'm a breakfast, yep. a morning tea, a lunch, afternoon tea. I could have a smaller dinner. Yep. Um, and dinner would vary anything from, um, you know, some fish and lean meats and veg and curries. I made a beautiful Thai fish curry the other night. Oh, yum. I'm experimenting with a bit more lentils and legumes at the moment. Um, but then a barbecue, use barbecue a lot. And roasted veggies, they're probably my key, but a whole lot of veggies on the weekend. Uh, could be mushrooms, zucchini, baby yep. beetroots. Beautiful, beautiful. Tomatoes, potato, carrots, everything. Olive oil all on them. Um, uh, mushroom, have you? Mushrooms with a bit of chilli and olive oil. Chili oh, delicious. Flakes. 
I love mushrooms. I think mushrooms are seriously oven. underrated as a food. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. One of my best friends hate them. I just don't understand. Delicious. Yeah, put them all in the oven and then have them that night and then in my lunch the next day in a salad and then with dinner the night <laughs> after. So I'm about pre-preparing. Yep. Um, and then I like a bit of chocolate. Oh, lovely bit of chocolate. Don't mind a bit of good ice cream sometimes yep. and I love to bake. You bake. So what do you bake? My latest, my banana ricotta cake, and I've been experimenting by putting olive oil in it lately. Oh, nice. Makes it more fluffy. Nice. Mm. Nice little touch mm. there. Mm. I like that. So get on to um, really ripe bananas with the olive oil in Beautiful. the banana cake. Yeah. And so now, now that you've spent all this time in elite sports environments telling them what to do to be elite sports people with food, mm-hmm. you're now moving to tell the masses about how elite sports people eat and live. Um, tell us about your new book project. Yeah, so Eat Like an Athlete hit the shelves um, in February in 2019. So um, get out there and get it. Grab um, a copy. In, yeah, in your bookstores, online, um, wherever you see it. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. Um, so why I wrote it was because people always ask me, yep. what does such and such eat? You know, what does Luke Hodge eat? What does Buddy Frank I want to be like Luke Bruce. If I, if I eat the same things as Luke Bruce, will I become Luke Bruce? Just oh, he's a lovely boy, Luke Bruce. <laughs> so, oh, I hope my daughter finds a boy like Luke Bruce when she grows up. He's a lovely country boy. Um, and anyway, so um, I thought the message is just not getting out there to Australians about heart disease, diabetes and cancers. Mm. People don't think they're going to eat, get that. Mm. So they don't eat. To, I'm going to eat my lunch today to prevent myself from having a stroke, you know, mm. or heart mm. disease. We just don't do that. But we do want to eat to perform. So if athletes can look at their diet to perform, why can't we? Yeah, absolutely. And that can be performing anything you're doing. So at work, at home, um, if you want to be, you know, you might be doing triathlons on the weekend, you might be playing lawn bowls, it might be your golf Whatever it is, I think you can look at your diet in a way of what's going to make me feel good and make me perform rather than that sickness model that no one wants to be in. Yeah. Well, that, that's very clever. And I think that's a really useful thing because what I'm used to doing and what I see pop up in my social media news feeds um, are just, hey, uh, 10 reasons why blueberries are the new superfood. I, I only hear about superfoods, but I want to hear all the other stuff, like what should I eat generally during the day? And for that um, – on social media, what the most outrageous stuff gets pushed to the top. It's yeah. all ketogenic or nothing. Yep. And also, it doesn't have to be hard, but you do have to um, have some strategies. So my book's sort of in three sections, and the third section is probably my favourite, which is about how to make your life elite. So how do I influence my workplace? If there's vending machines at work and lunch supplied at meetings is mm. crappy, what could I do as an individual to make some change on yeah. that? Because you spend a lot of time at work. Yeah. Oh, uh, more and more. So, Increasingly more time, yeah. So, and you can, like, so it's got some skills in there about how you could make some suggestions to change that. Mm-hmm. Or what about if you're involved in a sporting club? Um, again, it doesn't have to be the sausage sizzle and white bread. Yep. Uh, it doesn't have to be loads of beers afterwards. Um, so how can we make some influence on that? Strategies to cook at home so it's fun even if you don't like cooking. Like get your friends to come over in winter and let's everyone cook up a soup or a curry, swap, those sorts of things. Um, what to stock in the fridge, in the pantry. So really so that there's no excuses. Do you Are you an advocate for the Sunday night cook for the week kind of thing? I do spend a bit of time on the weekend and often yep. I might do a Sunday afternoon where I cook a couple of dishes mm. so that can get me sort of Sunday night, Monday, and then maybe a Wednesday or something. Yeah, I do think it really helps. Yep. Um, and even then if it's just that you've pre-prepared the veggies and put them in a container so they're cut or peeled or ready to go so that you can throw your lunch together mm. – 
you might be making a salad for lunch tomorrow, then make it, cut up the same veggies for your stir fry that next night um, and get the kids involved. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Get the, get them understanding the veggies and the, you know, the, all the healthy stuff early. Yeah. And that is yeah. fun. So never put um, judgment on a food being good or bad and no rewards for kids about eating. Like if you eat your veggies, you can have your ice cream because that makes veggies the bad guy and ice cream the good guy. Yeah. yeah nice. So it's fine. You're not eating your veggies tonight. Okay. Well, we've already said we'll have some ice cream tonight because tonight's an ice cream night or whatever. You might have it. Yeah. But it's not an every night food, um, but not goods and bads. And the same when you're talking to yourself as an adult, um, you don't want to put too many judgments on food. Because otherwise it's like, I've been good, so I will have chocolate. Rather than what's wrong with buying a beautiful mango that's in season or oh, the fresh raspberries. Mango. Delicious. Or, or a scoop or two of sorbet, mango yeah, sorbet. Yeah, even. yeah. Yeah. So um, I think make sure that you've got in your pantry at home a mixture of foods that are going to motivate you and not make you feel like you're following a diet. I have a question for you about how you've managed to do so much in such little time. <laughs> so the, the Hawks job, huge job, uh, Swiss a day a week, your media commitments as well and speaking, and then the two kids, a family, and writing a book. Um, I want to know more about what it's like to write a book and how that sort of worked for you. Yeah, so um, I think having – I had a book coach to start with to help me map out um, – Catherine helped me map out what – I wanted to get down on paper. What what were my ideas? And yep. so she helped me flesh that out and get my topics down. And so then her suggestion was, okay, take a topic at a time and think about today I want to write about and look at your topics that you've got. Today I want to write about um, how to make my workplace elite. Or another day, no, I want a bit more technical stuff. I'm going to write about protein. So really pick the topic that you like rather than just thinking I have to start at the start of the book and finish at the end. And so I would have all these Things And when I finished every one of those topics, then we literally printed it and covered a room with those topics and picked them up and put them in the order that we thought it should be. And then you start to edit and you edit and you edit and you edit some more until you never want to see that manuscript again in your life. I hear the point at which to publish is we just can't look at it again. So you, hate, got, you hate it. I got to that point. I thought, how am I going to enjoy this book? Yep, yep, yep. Um, and I also set myself some deadlines and I think you do need to do that. Mm. And because I also had a um, contract with a publisher – they were very good about – Hardy Grant were really good about letting me choose mm-hmm. a deadline that I um, felt comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, and, but I still knew it was a deadline, so I would make sure I had certain things done for myself um, on deadlines. But it was a pretty exhausting process, and I had an illness in between, so I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in between oh, that. So I had a strict – excuse me, I had a strict job, and so I had to have a bowery section. Um, so in the, uh, in the middle of that, um, yeah, I – Probably did a little bit more than I should have. Yeah. But um, I, I still enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. And now when there's a bit of time because you hand it over to the publisher and then they look at the cover and they do a bit of grammatical editing and then I went on holiday in January with my family, uh, my parents, and then came back and I was ready to launch. Nice. And so I was fresh. Yeah, the energy. So what, what, how long did it take you door to door from sort of start to finish? Um, probably from the thought of I'm going to write mm-hmm. a book mm-hmm. to absolutely getting on the shelf was two years, mm-hmm. but really probably from 
having the publisher and really writing seriously to the end was probably 12 months. Okay, wow. That's that's pretty quick. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe a bit more, but not not much. Yeah. yeah that's that's really quick. Cuz well cuz <laughs> I had started um writing it before I actually presented it to the yep. publisher. So that's yep. why I'm saying it was probably 2 years, yep. but a year from when I had the publisher to it was on shelf. So does the publisher yeah. sort of want to see a chapter or how does, how does that work? Or um little... so they saw my manuscript but really yep. they wanted to see I was marketable yep. first. Right. So they saw that I had worked with lots of Australian men's elite sport. Um, I had done some media. Um, I could talk. They liked that. <laughs> you can then promote your book and they like that. Yep. Um, and I'd done private practice for quite 25 years. So I had also that, sort of those people around and I'd worked with everyday people. And then they had a look. But really um, I showed them my chapters and they looked at the chapters and then they basically let me write. What I, a key and I, I probably something I would encourage people if they are writing a book is to make sure you hand your manuscript in the best possible form you can mm, mm. because that way they don't have to do much editing mm. and they won't want to change it. So they change very little yep. from how I wanted the book to be. Um, and I think that was good advice that was given to me is to make your manuscript as good as you can. Yes, excellent. Is, so, look, you appear to be a very high-energy person. <laughs> Uh, it may be too much. My kids think sometimes. No, well, just, just because. S back. Dialers S back. <laughs> just because you told me what you did today, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> look out!" Uh, I thought I was busy. Anyway, but um, how do you stay? Uh, how do you maintain your energy levels? Yeah. Do you have like a wellness practice or yeah. different things that you practice? I started doing. Um, Swiss have always been big on meditation at the workplace, but I probably really started doing small small amounts of that when I had my bowel issues mm-hmm. and really read that it was very important for bowel issues and for Crohn's or inflammatory bowel disease to reduce stress because mm. I never really feel stressed but I know that I'm all over the place and maybe that's a bit much. So in the mornings like today when I knew I had a lot of things on, mm. I started the day by just doing only maybe five minutes of really feeling my whole body relax mm. and trying to let um, myself start the day not being, oh, my God, I've got five million things on. Yep. The other thing I um, do is I don't do um, – like I don't go to a gym or anything but I do walk a lot. Yep. So if I can walk, like I yesterday I walked to work from my partner's house and it was 8Ks to walk to Swiss. Nice. So I did it. And I don't do that every day, um, but I walk where I can because I really find I use it as transport. Yep. So I work my exercise into my day and that's very good for relieving stress and my mental health and I, I like that. Mm. And probably the last one is I don't tend to use the word busy. I think the word busy – Automatically, I can feel myself getting. I can feel it in my stomach. Think busy to me is a word that creates. It's stress. anxiety, isn't it? Yeah, it's an anxiety yep. word for sure. So I don't write it. I try not to say it. So I'm very much about. I might have a lot on today, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I diarize things. So I and I look at my day today. And okay, okay. First step is, and I look at the first thing. First step is to get over footy today. Then next is record that um, webinar. Next was you know a lunch dinner with parents podcast here you know but I try and put the day into chunks and um, my last bit I suppose I do do to-do lists but I listen to some really good speakers lately where the to-do list is no good if you haven't actually allocated time to it or it just becomes stressful yeah yeah well said so I look in my diary and I look at what I need to do and I actually put it in in time slots do you use a tool to do that just my um diary in my phone yep excellent and so you do you run your life by your calendar a little bit uh-huh. as well? Yep. Absolutely. Too, yeah. Yep. I'm a very so if I knew um I've got to prepare a talk, I will actually look at some time and I'll block out that time. If I can't get it done in that time, I will move it and shift it to somewhere else. But 
I am a, I am a pretty full on person, but I love stuff. I love new challenges. Well, you must I, you clearly yeah. love your work and everything you're involved yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, I do, and I think that's really important too. Is that you've got to love it, and I don't love every day of it, um, or everything of it, but I do love um, the majority of it, and that's important. Do you do you have like a lot of interesting conversations um, at the club that sort of go beyond nutrition, like life and philosophy? Because uh, I suppose it's a bit like with any of these things, you always talk about more than just the mm. you know. I, you know, often I hang out in the kitchen. Like yeah. today, I did some smoothies for the boys, and then um, I was um, putting out some samples of some tuna and salmon and beans and things for the boys. But I just chat to them about who cooks in the household. Um, and one of uh, a couple of plays that aren't there now, but I used to ask one of them. Um, I wanted to know if he had a girlfriend, not because I cared less whether he had a girlfriend, but I knew he didn't cook. So if there was a female in his life, and this sounds really sexist, yeah. but there was more chance that he was either going to be at home and yeah. not go out so yep. we could both cook together mm. or she would cook. Yep. Um, so I try and find out about what else is happening in their life because food is often influenced by about what else is happening oh, in their absolutely. life. absolutely. And I think guys are a bit of a, a hot mess by themselves, to be honest. And I've got three of them. A few of them live together in houses. Yeah. So I try and, like, ask one of them, so who's been cooking most? And I'll ask the other one, see if I can get the same story. Yeah. Who's been cooking? Are, they, cooking? are any of them serial Uber Eats binges or offenders? Serial what binges? Uber Eats or Deliveroo. Um, I don't know. I probably wouldn't know. They probably won't tell me. <laughs> um, oh, there, one, one does like it. His partner is a nurse and if she's on night shift, he tends to do that. But I've encouraged him that he is a big boy and could cook for himself more often. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think when I explain the benefits of reducing inflammation, so that will reduce your chance of injury, that really that, – mm. if I talk about food in terms of reducing injury mm. um, and I can talk about – their performance and feeling better, then that that resonates with them and they're more likely to. But I'm also realistic. They're yeah, going to eat out. Yeah. That's okay. Oh, it's just part of the social life as well. Mm. And it's, so are people also in these elite spaces looking at things more like meditation and mindfulness? And yes, yeah, going, going in, inward a little bit yep. more? So we've got a, um, a sports psychologist, but I notice on the board on a Monday when I'm there usually they also have um, um, meditation. Yep. Uh, they often do yoga. Um, they are taught to do some of that sort of stuff more themselves as well, mm -hmm. um, some self-reflection. Um, I even talk to them a little bit about um, food, again, back to that mood, food in the mood, and trying to link it all back in together. But, yeah, they do, definitely. That's awesome. And so just a more general question about, you know, your balance of uh, responsibilities and the things that you're doing. What, what are you up to at Swiss? Because that must give you a nice different lens yeah, than the Hawks. you know what? It's really interesting to learn about business and how business runs because people often say to me, oh, why isn't that on the shelf or why isn't this food product made or why can't we make that? So I've learned a bit, lot about how food law works. Um, so there's a food standards code. Mm -hmm, you can't just mm -hmm. develop any food product mm -hmm. you want and put on the shelf. It actually has to fit in the food standards code and the same with any other type supplement. Um, but also the fact that the supermarkets actually decide what we're going to eat basically yep, yep. Um, and that you can only pitch your product to the big major supermarkets at certain times of the year. So uh, really understanding about how our food supply works and um, how business and being sustainable is really important. But I do a lot of um, health and wellness. So the other day we um, recorded a podcast for World Health Day and it's all about the different stages of life and nutrition tips or I've done a few cooking sessions with George Calambaris. Oh, nice. Yeah, because he's a Swiss ambassador. Yep. So we went to Coles and to all their staff and we did a cooking session. George cooks. I talk about the nutrition and that's fantastic because he's a chef that 
doesn't try and pretend he's a nutritionist or a mm. dietitian. Mm. And so he talks about cooking with his olive oil and I talk about why it's good and he says don't ever um, boil zucchinis because they'll taste like wet, wag- wet rags and I'll talk <laughs> about great, so let's cook this. You're saying cook the zucchini this way and I'll say why it's good. So I've had some really great opportunities doing lots of events and wellness events for them as well, which I love. It's awesome. So are there people that you look up to or admire in your space? Ah, yeah. Well, one of them, um, the CEO who used to be at Swiss is Radek Sali and um, he used to be the CEO and I used him as a bit of a mentor and he encouraged me to write my book because I really love the speaking engagements and to spread the word and my experience. Um, so I do. Um, when I, In terms of an athlete, when I was at the Australian cricket team, Steve Waugh is one of those people that you're just a bit in awe of. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And my first day there, I they were having lunch and I waited till all the boys had served their lunch and there was one seat left and it was next to Steve Orr. And I was only young. I was probably 25 back then. Um, oh, no, maybe a bit older when I was uh, – yeah, no, no, sorry, I was a little bit older, um, but only maybe, say, 30, and which is young. <laughs> <laughs> and as you get older, you think that's even younger. I don't even know what young is anymore. <laughs> and anyway – I said, can I sit here? And he said, of course you can, Simone. No one wants to sit next to the captain. <laughs> um, but um, – and look, I really like what um, Jamie Oliver does with yep. his food and I really think he's passionate about making health changes mm, with food. Mm. So I saw him speak a few weeks ago when um, he was in um, – he was in uh, Sydney. So I really look up to him. I think he's done great stuff in um, trying to improve the food and nutrition. Awesome. Yeah. And do you have time to build? I mean, I always ask that guess. Do you have a way that you build learning into your day, sort of either through reading or podcasts mm-hmm. or any other mediums? Mm-hmm. I think I also learn from my clients. So yep. even in my private practice, I learn because I make a suggestion that works or it doesn't work for them. And then I can um, see for my next client how that might work or not work. Um, I'm pretty lucky at because I'm at so many different workplaces and there are excellent people at all of them, mm. I've got a chance to learn from speakers or coaches or people we might have it at footy um, and the players. But then um, Swiss ha- often has really good speakers in, um, so I will learn. So it's often listening or um, going to conferences. I really like to see the person in action. Yeah. Um, I do read some as well, but I, I probably more about listening um, or listening to people tell the story. I like to hear people's journeys. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so just say again the name of your book and where people can find yeah. that online. So Eat Like an Athlete yep. um, by Simone Austin yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is in most bookstores, um, in bigger Target stores um, and online, Booktopia, all those sort of ones. Do you have a link on your website as well? Um, there is a se- – yes, there is. So if you go down, um, my website is just simoneaustin.com. Um, you can find a link there. You can also follow me on social media. So on Instagram, so it's Simone underscore Austin. Um, Facebook is Simone Austin Dietitian. Occasionally do Twitter, but I've really dropped off on that. Got to talk to Joel Farron about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Twitter master, Twitter pro. Yeah, it's just, it's, I've dropped off on that. But And I do private practice as well. So I'm awesome. um, um, trying to do some blogs and things. But happy to hear from people about what topics yeah. they might like me to write about. If people or want talk to get in about. touch, is, is there a yep, way so that So through should... my social yep. media can message me yep. on my website. There's a direct bit that you can email me at yep. as well. Perfect. Yeah, love to hear people. Perfect. Thank you so much for dropping in. Thank you. It's been awesome chatting. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player. Why not share the podcast with a friend? 
you could also leave us a five-star review in your podcast player. You may also want to join us for one of our regular live podcasts or to become a show sponsor. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com.au and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook.